Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks, just like you. Uh, achievement unlocked. So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm. <laughs> yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Joygasm. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me, as always, is my sensational sibling, Steve, a.k.a. Xbox Live. Steveovich, as we kick off episode 17 on this June 17th of 2017. Uh, how you doing, Russ? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Steve, how you doing? It's good to be back here. It's and good to have you back. Yeah, you know... You say I'm always here, but I guess always with the exception of this week. Like when E3 was going <laughs> on and you <laughs> left me. Yeah, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. I, I have to say, amongst uh, amongst all the uh, the whining and dining and uh, romance, I never forgot about you. I never forgot about Joy Gasm. Well, that's good, Steve. That's real good. I had to do some some solo podcasting while you were gone. I missed you. I missed you too. I looked over at your empty seat and I was like, oh, would be nice to have him here. You mean there was no Wilson in, in my place? No. No, no. no bearded Wilson? I began to, to <laughs> think about getting a volleyball and putting a handprint on there, but no, luckily you came back in time and saved me. Well, you know, Russ, um, I don't know if I'm more disappointed in Microsoft's conference or the fact that you didn't polish off the bottle. There, yeah, you know what? There is about a third left of Zibato. I was, just, I was just saving it for you. You know, I wanted to be able to do a little cheersing, a little clinkety clink okay. with you. You know, maybe uh, to all the, the the better parts of the conference after the uh, after Microsoft. Indeed, indeed. Post Microsoft. You know, I I should uh, let everyone know that if you guys have any questions or comments about the show, you can reach us at twitter.com at joygasmtv. You can also find us on facebook.com slash joygasm tv we're also on soundcloud.com slash joygasm tv and we even have a youtube channel with as steve would put it steve could you please tell well, us it, it's really easy to remember it's uh it's youtube.com slash number sign letter q upside down question mark exactly exactly it's really easy to follow and that's actually <laughs> the reason why i, wanted- I mean i almost forgot it i, I, I had to think about that for a second uh, but it's one of those things that I, I think we need to start building awareness on our show to encourage all of our listeners to go. It's I suppose if you did a YouTube search, just look for Joygasm or Joygasm TV, you'll find our lovely little logo pop 
up somewhere. And what we need to do is be able to get 100 subscribers, at least 100, and then we'll be able to actually do the customized URL. Currently, we're about the 15th spot down. So hopefully after the, uh, <laughs> you know, you, where we, we do come up within the search field, but if we have some some more views and likes and subscribers and love mm-hmm. all together, then uh, we might... Uh, go uh down in this we might we might not be the 15th spot we might just be the 14th spot so we have lofty <laughs> plans you know we're, we're gonna be ambitious about this we're gonna be uh, you know slowly but surely making our way up the ranks and get past all the other types of wannabes mm-hmm. to the point where we are able to be easy to find so our main topic today will be an e3 recap appropriately enough but first things first I know you were in Canada for the last week, but have oh, you had a chance to uh, play anything lately, Steve? Play? No. Watch? Yes. Oh, what have you been watching? Well, I did a little, uh, little nerd-tastic watching of the cartoon. Cartoon? Of Wonder Woman. Is this the old school cartoon? This is the 2009. Okay, 2009. Cartoon. Okay. I didn't even know there was a Wonder Woman cartoon. There is. I'm here to tell you. And it's good, Rod. It's good. Did Linda Carter voice the Wonder Woman character, or was that somebody else? Uh, I for, you know what? I forgot to even look. I might have been. Uh, I don't think it's Linda Carter, though. Okay. Okay. But the uh, it's funny, because the cartoon, it, it's a cartoon, right? But mm-hmm. it's not like a cartoon for, like, five-year-olds. It's like a cartoon. I mean, I, for, like, you and me. Like, it's scripted as if sure. people who like Wonder Woman would like the cartoon. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, minus Gal Gadot, the thing, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. And the villain is awesome. Okay. I mean, it's 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 the same villain. It's Ares. But yeah. it's what Ares should have been. Ah, um, yes. And, I mean, it, it, it's not even that long. It's I think it's about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh-huh. But they do a great job. Um. I do like the Steve character better in the regular movie than I did in this movie, but that's not saying it was he was bad. It's just saying that he was better in this one. But um, you, th- you thought Steve was better in the cartoon in in, in the movie. Than, oh, in the than film, the cartoon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, in, in the, yeah, the full feature film. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I would say watch it. If, if you're looking for something to watch on, this Netflix, is on Netflix. Netflix streaming, yeah, baby. Oh, very nice. Um, but uh, so yeah, I like Gal Gadot's character better, but in in the full feature film. But uh, this thing was like a a good solid, like I would say A minus. Oh, okay. A minus B plus. Like it's that good. That's pretty high praise. Uh, it it was great. I I really did like it. Now, did you watch the entire season, or was it just like a mini series? It, it was, series just, it was or? just a movie. Oh, it was a it was movie, like a cartoon, cartoon movie. movie. Yeah, oh. kind of like some of those like Batman cartoon yeah, movies around. Yeah, 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 same thing, but with this. Oh, okay. And it's set in more of a kind of a modern time, not the past. How did you find this? Did you just like just happen um, to do a random search of Wonder Woman? And it comes up, or well, I I had heard about it before, uh, and I was just like, yeah, you know, like you know, Wonder Woman cartoon, you know, for for the kitties, you know, uh-huh. whatever. Uh, and so I started just talking about uh, actually to my girlfriend's friend Mm -hmm. and she says oh yeah i've seen it it's great i'm like you've seen it she goes yeah no it's actually i saw it i'll you can watch it i'll show it to you i said okay and uh so yeah no i watched it and uh it was definitely definitely recommend it i also watched the cartoon of Mm -hmm. dr strange there's a cartoon of Doctor Man. I have been out of the loop on this. I didn't know that. And so I've never seen the, even the the full feature film of. See, Doctor I've Strange. seen the film. I, I never saw the cartoon. Have, I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the cartoon was good too. 
Okay. Uh, kind of based in the same sort of style. Was it voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch? I, I don't know, Russ. I wasn't looking at the voice. Well, you know, he has a very distinct voice. Um, oh, I, it was voiced by somebody because I recognized the voice. Ah. And I looked him up on, a, on I, I am dim. <laughs> and I forgot who it was. Uh, I could do it again while we're talking about it, but I don't know, I don't know how much you want to know about it, Russ. Right now, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, that one was definitely good. I, I I enjoyed it, not as much as the Wonder Woman uh, cartoon, but I did still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but since you've seen the movie, I, I would recommend you seeing the cartoon. And I like me some cartoons. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, mm-hmm. childhood memories. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, these aren't like silly, wacky, you know. Uh, 15 minute cartoons. This is, right. this is, they, there, there's money involved in this. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. High production values. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend you watching it. Um, and, and again, even though it's cartoon, it's very well written. Yeah. It's great. It, it, it's, it's good. It's good scripting. Right on. Um, then I did see a third one, Ronald. Oh, you saw a lot of watching. Yeah, a lot of watching going on. What's the third one? I, I, I think we went through like three bags of popcorn. I mean, it was, like <laughs> <laughs> was there plenty of butter and salt on that popcorn, Steve? Uh, no butter, just salt, Ross. Oh. Salty, just like me. <laughs> uh, no, we watched two one night, and then I, I think we watched the third one the other night. Um, well, you'll be pleased to know. I saw Logan. Oh, you finally saw Logan. I did. Okay, so did you see the the normal theatrical version or did you see the the more like (laughs) film noir black and white version? (laughs) Russ, I saw both. Oh, okay. So tell me, lay it on me. So she had uh, she had the Blu-ray version, which came with the noir version. Uh And so I wanted to watch it all in color. Uh, and then we went back and we just saw like select scenes and, and black and white. Uh, oh, so you didn't watch noir. the whole so thing. So I, I didn't watch the whole full feature film, but I'll tell you why. Like after I saw it in color, uh-huh. I didn't really, I didn't, it didn't, I didn't feel like it was that better in black and white. Uh-huh. It didn't feel like, oh, I got to watch this whole thing again. I wonder if it was because it was just you had freshly watched the color version. See, like like I had watched it in the theater, and then like a week or two went by, so I was able to process and right. digest it. And then when they were, you know announced, oh, we have this very limited opportunity to watch black and white version of the film. For me, I wanted to see it because um, oftentimes, if done right, then of course it depends on the style of the movie. But like just the the black and white, you know, film noir version of a film can have certain qualities that you just can't get with color. True. I mean, and a lot of the expressions did look better uh-huh. uh, with with the film uh, than they did with uh, regular full color. Yeah. Um, but here's uh, here's the here's the here's the the, the dealio. Since Wolverine came out, mm-hmm. I've been wanting it to be rated R. Oh, yeah. Because the comic book is rated R. Yeah. Basically. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, the guy, he's got a big heart. Yeah. But he's a savage beast. Yeah. And he doesn't, he, it's like, okay, you're going to attack me? It's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's do or die. And even though the rest of the films, you know what happens when he's slicing and dicing. Right. They don't show anything. Right. And I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a glutton for gratuitous violence, but I want to see It's Wolver- just to be expected. Yeah, it's a Wolverine yeah, film. Exactly. Like, what do you, what would you think is going to happen if exactly. he's you know, impaling people with yeah. like, you know, 12 inch blades coming exactly. out of his knuckles or whatever. So 
I wanted to see the gore. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to see what happens. And, uh, and so just seeing the, all the red, like, right, right. slicing and dice and making Julian fries with this film. I definitely wanted to see it. So when I went back to black and white, a lot of that was gone. Mm-hmm. Or at least you couldn't really tell because it was just shades of white and black, right? sure. shades of gray. Yeah. So, uh, I, that was a big minus for me that I, 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 Definitely wanted to see all the the gore. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I'm not sure how the MPAA rates that. Like if you have a black and white film that obviously has some sort of stabbing going on where, where you, you will see blood, but it's all black and white. You're not seeing the red color. Does that make it more of a PG-13 film or do they stick to the rated R? Because I, as you're talking about this, I was thinking about Kill Bill and how there's that one scene where... Um, Black Mamba is in that uh, Yakuza, I, don't, I can't remember if it's some sort of social club or right. whatever it is. But anyway, she's got her her Hanzo sword there and uh, she's just making mincemeat out of all of these Yakuza thugs and stuff. And, and certain parts were done in color and others were done in black and white. And to your point, like I remember how they reserve the black and white scenes for the most gory parts of that entire gang fight going on. And I think it was just because had they kept it in color, it probably would have been a little too much. And so they acted, they, they added a bit of that stylization in there. And I found myself thinking, Oh, well now this is black and white. It's, I mean, it's still violent, but it's not like, oh my goodness, you know. So yeah, go ahead. A lot, a lot of the black and white parts that I've seen. When we watched it in the beginning, we watched a few scenes, but it reminded me a lot of Sin City in a way. Uh huh. I don't know because of the frame rate or because of some parts were computer graphics and some parts weren't. Well, Sin City was in black and white too. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but uh, the way they did it was uh, it reminded me a lot of, of of Sin City. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I loved it. I did like, I, I love the movie. Uh-huh. Um, is it one of your favorite X-Men movies? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. No, no, no question. It did seem a little forced with, uh, some of the swearing, like it's rated R. So we're going to say, yeah, the F-bomb, yeah, we're gonna F-bomb the crowd. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, but you it, know, actually I hate to interrupt you with this, but like with you saying that, like I found it a little jarring to hear Hugh Jackman himself drop as many f-bombs as he yeah. did because he's such a sweet he's guy a, hugh jackman's a great guy yeah he's yeah, a yeah. sweetheart yeah he really he's is. a really nice gentleman of a, of a guy so to see him doing that i i, I don't know if like he had to kind of like pump himself up enough to yeah. like, be able to do that or not but yeah anyway go ahead uh so that seemed a little forced but it was it was more entertaining than i think it was for uh you know just for the, the rating i yeah. think because they're you know getting old and they're kind of being grumpy old men that are trying to take care of each other. Right. Um, I, it, it did make me sad in the end when, uh, when he died. Um, uh-huh. I, I kind of figured that was going to happen. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, really? So, I mean, but it, it's been out for a while. I mean, come on. So, <laughs> but it, it's almost, it's not the fact that he died. It's the fact that a Hugh Jackman said that he doesn't want to do any full length feature films of Wolverine anymore. He wants to do kind of stand-ins like, okay, if you film another X-Men or you film another, like, you know, Deadpool, for example, you know, I'm going to come in there. That'd uh-huh. be okay. But I don't want to do a full, you know, front to back. Well, I film. heard that he like hung his claws up for good. Cause he's been a Wolverine yeah. for over 17 years. Yeah. 
Um, he's not as sprightly as he used to be. Right. But I mean, there, there's still many, 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 many stories that can be told about Wolverine. I mean, in the comic books, he is still alive way into the future. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that made me sad to see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine die. Uh, that being said, I'm still looking forward to, you know, any kind of weapon X sort mm-hmm. of thing they're going to bring out. Well, you know? I, 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 like I, like you were saying earlier, I hope that they have a Deadpool sequel of some sorts where Hugh Jackman can come in as Wolverine. That yeah. would be sweet to see him next yeah. to Ryan Reynolds because both of them are, are friends outside of the film business anyway. I mean, they're constantly giving each other props. Yeah. Just whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or even in, in movies and stuff. So that would be a, a super cool opportunity. Yeah. So that I that really uh, that hit that hit me. I'm like, no, I don't want this to be the last one. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. One thing they didn't explain too well in the film was the relationship between the girl and Wolverine. They just kind of kept on saying, "Well, this is your daughter. Well, he's your dad. This is your daughter. He's your dad." And then we go as the audience, okay, that's a fact because they told it to us. But where's the history? Like, okay, well, who's her mom? Then, like, which one of Wolverine's lovers in the past? Because he's had tons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, which one was it? They didn't say. I don't. You know, it's been a while since I. I only saw the film once, and so I don't remember exactly all the the details. But I, I don't recall if she was actually like his daughter, or if like she, you know, she was a mutant and she was put in. Because I remember, I remember all those flashbacks of like how they, they were testing all those children who had mm-hmm. mut- mutated and had different mutant skills and abilities and stuff. And so as a result, like she went through the same type of process that Logan did in terms of the adamantium being added to the, uh, her bones and that sort of thing. But I don't, rem- I don't recall if they actually said, no, this is your daughter. They did. They did. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So that was, that was disappointing. Um, and then towards the end, he says, uh, you know, he, he's making the kids go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he looks to uh, uh, the, his daughter and he says, uh, you know, everybody who's ever been close to me dies, yeah. winds, winds up dying. I'm thinking, and I, and I had like this flashback of all the different lovers that he's had mm-hmm. and who's passed away. And, and it just like flip a page of a book, <laughs> all of them. I mean, they've all gotten into trouble or gotten killed or gotten maimed yeah. somehow. And I thought, yeah, he's definitely right there. But I, that's what I wanted to see more of in the film of is this is why he's saying this. This is why uh, he's making you go away. It's not just because he's doesn't care about his, his own life anymore. There's more to it than that. And mm. if you didn't know, then he, he would just be saying go because that's what Hollywood told him to say. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, the only part of the film that I thought was a little on the weaker side was just the, the kind of, I don't want to say cliche, but just seeing all these youngsters making a run for the border kind of a thing. I, I felt like it could have been a, handled a bit differently. Uh, especially seeing Logan amongst all these teenagers. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I kind of went back and forth on it. I, I, I thought that perhaps there could have been a, a different idea that could have been explored. But other than that, I just, I love the film. I thought that was one of yeah. the best films of this year. Yeah. Well, cool. Did you see anything else or was, was those um, the big three? I know I started, actually I started to watch a fourth, uh, but <laughs> there wasn't, you know, after that, I'm thinking, man, we're not spending a whole, a whole lot of time together. So <laughs> you uh, look over at your girlfriend, you're like, who are you again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. Hey, you're a pretty hot chick. Uh, yeah. Come here often. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I started watching Big Hero 6. Oh yeah. You know, I, that's a movie I've seen little bits and pieces of, and um, I've, I've heard that it's good. So I thought you had watched the whole thing. I have not. Leslie has uh, watched all of it, but not yeah. me. 
I, I so I started to watch that, and um, we never finished it. We we only got like a third into it. Okay. And um, we wanted a barbecue. I mean, it was like the light. <laughs> it was still sunny outside, so we thought, well, we got to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, that was that was good. Yeah. So I definitely want to continue that. As you should. I know for me, uh, let's see. I didn't really watch anything this week other than just a ton of E3. I mean, E3, of course, was like just, you know, the the center focus. And um, I did, let's see. I did a lot of game playing, though. Um, oh, before I forget, you know, you were talking about Wonder Woman. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not. I did not know this. I was talking to a, a buddy, and he let me know that, Robin Wright, who's in Wonder Woman. Did you know that she's the princess in The Princess Bride? Yes. I didn't know that. You didn't know that all this time? And all this time, dude. Nice. Whether it was like yeah. House of Cards or anything else. Like, I didn't she's, know that. She's also Janae from Forrest Gump. Oh my gosh, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, say it one more time, Russ. Say it one more time. What? That I'm right. You're Oh, oh Steve. <clears throat> <laughs> you're right, Steve. You are Ooh, so right. I like it. That, that blows mm-hmm. me away. Amazing. I yeah. mean, what? It was just crazy. I remember, like, I hadn't. She, she has this my tremendous. Yeah. My sweet Wesley. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Childhood crush. Yeah. That's, by the way, that's Steve's middle name. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, for a while there, you, do, you weren't too crazy about it. But I think that film kind of brought you back around thinking it did. Eh, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Now, Wesley, too, can be a dreaded pirate Roberts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's crazy to think about how that actress's career has made these tremendous comebacks because yeah. we saw her in the princess bride, which you know, was made in the eighties classic. And then she came back again and was 1994 with Forrest Gump. And that was a tremendous role. And then we don't, I mean, at least for me, I don't recall seeing what else is that she had has been in since that time. And then she comes back in as Frank Underwood's wife in house of cards, another excellent project and then she's in wonder woman i mean like just really cool it's it's neat to see actresses like that and especially given the fact that i don't recognize her yeah unless i'm looking at imdb or i'm talking to like you or somebody else about that that's for me that's a trip you know what also is kind of a trip is uh you know when you when you grow up and you have these idolized images of celebrities or actresses or actors or something like that and then time does what it does to everybody which is makes them older mm-hmm. and you know life happens and sometimes people just don't care about you know looking great or you know eating hardly anything so they don't gain any weight sure. or whatever whatever yeah, and yeah, then yeah. You, after like 50 years you look, <laughs> you look back <laughs> like what happened to that person you know like, uh-huh. well, of course time happened right like it does to all of us yeah robin wright looks stunning yeah still oh she's very beautiful yeah yeah well i think I thought I had some fun little trivia for there for you, but <laughs> apparently I was the last one to find that out. Uh, let's see. I've been playing Injustice 2, of course. That game just, I know I, keep, I sound like a broken record, but I just, I keep playing the game and it's just such a fun, fun I haven't had a, a, a fun fighting game in yeah. years. And yeah. so to have this game come out, you know, Red Hood, the DLC character um, was dropped recently. So I've been having fun getting to grips with him. I got Catwoman up to level 20, which is the max that you can get for each character is level 20. There is still a, just a, a blithera of <laughs> gear that I still need to um, unlock for Catwoman. You know, of course, all the other characters, like they're, they're 
um, pretty unused right now. There are underused, I should say. I'm having to like go to each one. It's just, it's hard because like you get used to a certain fighting style of one character. Then you have to basically kind of start from scratch again and relearn all the yep. moves. Yeah. But that's fun. I mean, and it's fine by me because of just how they have the game set up. And especially like, like with the multiverse feature, I love the multiverse feature, how they have these planets that come in and out on a daily basis. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very gratifying, rewarding to be able to, to score different like types of like rare or epic gear and that sort of thing. One thing that I did want to let our listeners know who are fans of Injustice 2 is in case you guys don't know how to get Red Hood, this is something, this is one of the, the little kind of question marks, one of the flaws of the game really is that typically like with an Xbox One or PS4 title, you have an automated process when it comes to DLC content, which is to say, you know, if you have something that comes up, typically you'll, you'll have a notification at the title screen that, hey, there's this new piece of uh, DLC that, that you're welcome to get and buy if you want, or maybe for free, I, you know, whatever the, the reason is. However, with Injustice 2, it's like they... they kind of had little sprinklings of Red Hood in there where like you could go into the character customization screen at the bottom of the list you could see his name you couldn't click on it but you could see the character model pop up or like on the right hand side of the main menu they have kind of these little um uh, like like latest edition highlight screens and, and and sometimes it'll briefly show uh, Red Hood and it'll show like a Red Hood portrait but I couldn't figure out how to actually play him and so here's how it works check this out Steve I'm checking. All right. Here we go. You have to exit out of the game. So, and this is, this is just for the Xbox folks. Um, you have to actually go out, go into your games and apps section, find Injustice 2, the little tile there of, of Injustice 2. Press the, basically what the equivalent is of the start button. If you look at an Xbox One controller and it has that little like three horizontal lines going across on the right side, um, you know, you, you push that button and you go down to manage game. Then you go into, well, you know, once you go into manage game, um, you have to go that there are these other options on the left-hand side of, of Xbox One dashboard. And one of them, I think, has, I think it says updates or something like that. But you have to go to there, and then there will be a list that populates on, on the right-hand side of what kind of DLC is available for you to officially download. Mm. So you have to actually press that, and then, you know, wait for it to download as opposed to the game, just like, like an overwatch, for example, if there's an update, it automates the entire process. So when you boot the game up, you're good to go. But in injustice Two, like you have to go through this whole rigmarole. And the only way I found that out was I actually had to do some searching on YouTube because I, I felt as a gamer, I was kind of getting left behind. Like I'm thinking, okay, I'm seeing people playing as red hood on YouTube. What's the deal? I bought the ultimate pack of this game. I spent a hundred bucks. Like, am I forgetting something or what? What's the what's going on? So I have a feeling that's going to happen unless they have some sort of big firmware update that they push out to everybody. The rest of the characters, and I think that they're they're scheduled to have like nine characters come out. You're going to have to do the same process of getting out of the game, going to games and apps, going down, finding the the um. Injustice 2 tile, click, you know, press start, the start button on that, go to manage game, go, down, go over to the update part of it, and then find the downloads part in order to download characters. So that's, it's very just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, why, why would you do that? So anyway, hopefully that is helpful to other listeners out there because I know for me, I'm, I was starting to get a little desperate. I'm like, okay, I, I want my, my, my red hood here. So sure. 
Other than that, I, of course, played more Overwatch. Oh, snap. And I um, ended up just using some of my gamer credits to buy both the D.Va anniversary skin as well as the Hanzo anniversary skin because it just, I wasn't getting them. And luckily, actually, looking back on the anniversary feature, I think I, I got all of the skins I was hoping to get. I can't think of any other skin that either I didn't purchase or that I just didn't score through a loot box. And, I, and to be perfectly fair, I mean, a lot of the, the skins that I did score were through loot boxes. Right. Uh, so I'm pretty pleased about that. I got yeah. quite a few of the, the ones I was uh, I'm enjoying. The only thing I didn't get, excuse me, I burped. Anyway, <laughs> 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 let me clean off my microphone for a second. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that'll leave a mark. Um, <laughs> the the dances in the game, I only got a handful of those. I think I probably scored about know, three or four dances overall, and so that that was a part. But I was more interested in the skins anyway. So I mean, it's just well, I look at it and go, oh, it would be nice to have, but not not a huge deal. I still have not even started season five yet on the competitive side of things. I'm, I keep looking at that. I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go back to <laughs> something else. I did notice that after they went back, and this is something that we noticed last night as we were playing Overwatch, Indeed. was that Capture the Flag is missing. Yeah, I can't believe it. I love Capture the Flag. Yeah, Capture Bring the it Flag. Back. I know. It's like, what are you doing over there? Yeah, I, Blizzard. I wonder if they just removed it because they're adding to it or something. Because I'm I mean, sure it'll be back. I mean, yeah. Right now, I mean, you have all these different elimination modes. It's like, okay, pick your elimination mode. Yeah. How fun is that? Can we have some different game types, please? <laughs> They're always tinkering, yeah. those folks at Blizzard. That's, that's why we love them. It's funny because I got, I got so used to and put a lot of late night hours into uh, leveling up and gaining experience and... I, I started getting used to getting 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 uh -huh. points. I mean, one competitive match, like I told you the other night, I almost got 13,000 experience points from one competitive match. And so then last night we played, and it's like, oh, yeah, here's 2,000 for you. Yeah, here's 2,500. Like, I know. Oh, it's such man. a letdown. You're like, oh, yeah. I want my 4,000 or 6,000 exactly. experience. Yeah, you, we, we, we definitely man. got spoiled during that time. Also, uh, the the moon colonization or the Winston map that Horizon. we had talked about a yeah. little while back. Um, I thought for some reason that they were going to release that sooner than they have. Actually, it's, it's scheduled to drop on June 20th. Hmm. And so That's I don't know if anybody right else. The corner, right? Yeah, next week. I wasn't sure if anyone else were, was confused by that. I know I um, thought, well, yeah, I thought they were going to be dropping that at any moment when we initially reported it, but... Anyhow, the final game that I played and beat was Firewatch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about that one the other day when we were podcasting. Mm -hmm. What happened to it? Yeah. Uh, overall, great game. Hmm. Really nice storytelling. The, the graphics have more of that kind of stylized, cartoony look to it. And... I, I think the strongest component to that game was the voice acting. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You have your character, which is voiced by male, and then you have that female companion who's in a different watchtower looking over this national park of sorts. And the relationship between the two is really intriguing as I was playing. I, I found myself looking forward to just being able to use my walkie-talkie to talk to her about anything. If I found a discovery or if there was an opportunity to be able to just make some small talk or whatever. And they give you choices. I, I thought that was interesting too, is that 
the way that you respond to an, a question that she has, or if you want to um, proposition an idea or uh, probe her a bit, you can, but there are different ways of going about that too. And just the, the story of, of, of how they have it set up where you are um, married to a woman who doesn't really know who you are anymore because she has some sort of mental illness and stuff. And, and so you, that, that's why you go to this, this kind of summer job gig anyway to try and clear your head and figure out what you're, what you're going to do and you meet this woman. But uh, there are other things that go on throughout the game. and I don't want to spoil it for folks who haven't played it, but I highly encourage you if you have not played this game, Firewatch, on Xbox Live, you should definitely check it out. The only thing is, is that I felt the ending was a little lackluster. I, I wanted something to, a bit more than, than how it, uh, it ended up being, but... The whole time I was playing, I was like, "Man, this is a this is a cool game." I, I look forward to seeing if that company. And I can't remember who the developer is off the top of my head, but I really look forward to seeing if if they're going to make a sequel or if they're going to make a, a different game altogether. But it just really sh- it goes to show like how powerful voice acting can be in a game. Well, also they have the the main character, yeah, or the <coughs> protagonist. Mm-hmm. To use my my verbiage, my, my, <laughs> my language skills. You're so in the guy Steve. that you play. <laughs> uh, he's voiced by uh, one of the uh, actors from Mad Men. Oh. So you get, you get some, you get some pros who are, yeah. who are up to the mic. You're not just getting some random Joe's saying their lines. So the acting, that's why the acting is good. You got skilled people doing it. Yeah. Well that combined with, the fact that you're in this national park and all you have is a map and compass to, to get around with. It, they go hand in hand really well because if there was a particular scene where uh, there's a bit more paranoia going on or something, it just added to me kind of going, oh, I don't know where I'm going. Huh? Why did you get back to my watchtower? Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, overall just really great game. So that's about all I've been playing, Steve. That sounds good, Russ. You know, I had a th- I had one more thought about Logan. Mm. Uh, the uh, the antagonist. Uh huh. He was from Narcos. He was. And I was like looking at him like I know that guy from somewhere. I know. I was doing the same thing yeah. when I watched him. Like, who is that guy? He's a guy with scruff on his face, but I mean, I know that guy. And so I had to I had to pause the movie and look it up. But yeah, I was I was glad to see him in another role because he hasn't been in anything I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Besides, or since Narcos, another good show, by the way. Oh man, love me some Narcos. Oh, there gosh. there has been some just tremendous TV programming, which. Oftentimes, it's not even on the TV. It's just through Amazon yeah. or Netflix. Yeah. They are killing it. Awesome. Netflix. Loving it. Well, Steve, shall we transition into some game news? Let's do it, right? right. Talk to uh, me now. Let's do it to it. <laughs> the first one that's going to kick us off is that new Xbox avatars are coming to Xbox One. Have you seen this? I have. Express your attitude. You have sci-fi body parts, crazy haircuts, wide assortment of outfits. You can express your wheels in terms of having wheelchairs, skateboards, motorcycles, and more. Uh, you have other types of props that you can use. You can express your style. You have you know a whole emote library, it character like, style packs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the but the female avatars, it looks like you can have like little makeup effects. Yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like how customization friendly it is um yeah you, you can they, they they promote the whole express your imagination you can customize colors like to your point on every part of your avatar so i for one i'm looking forward to that because that was the one thing about xbox one when it was released where i was like 
Dude, I love the, the avatars from Xbox 360. I liked being able to, to be able to create a little avatar that looked... That was the funny thing about it. The, the characters were so cartoony, but yet when right. you were done customizing the way how you looked, it looked like you. Yeah. Like, it was so... It was creepy in a cool way. But it... And it's been kind of forgotten in a sense. Yeah. At least I would think. I mean, who uses their avatar picture anymore or customizes their avatar or spends money on little stuff for right. their avatar? I mean, eh. Well, and I think that's part of the, the deal is that you... You know, you, you make the, the jump from Xbox 360 into Xbox One. They didn't have an avatar program in place. And so it's so nice they're going to be bringing that back because I felt like that was part of the community that made Xbox 360 so successful. It's like you got to see, like, if your buddies were offline, they'd be your avatar would be sleeping. Or, like, if you were in a party playing together, all those avatars would be grouped together and they're doing the right. little fun little emotes and stuff. Right. I, I always appreciated that. I thought that was fun. And I, I know for me, I actually bought some some additional outfits and items and stuff, just microtransactions. And so, you know, you extrapolate that out. I mean, I think Microsoft can make a good amount of side coin with that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on here, Sega Genesis. A name from the past, Steve. The Sega Genesis flashback console includes 85 games and cartridge support. IGN reports that the Sega Genesis, a new console from At Games that features 85 built-in titles, have been announced for release this September. In addition to the slew of built-in games, including the titles from the Sonic, Fantasy Star, Shining Force, and Mortal Kombat series, the console includes a cartridge port that supports, quote-unquote, almost all of the original Sega Genesis and Mega Drive cartridges, <laughs> a feature that was lacking from Nintendo's micro console, the NES Classic Edition that came out yep. this past year, which yep. I told totally you was going to get one, and then they just stopped making yeah. it. I was like, what? Yeah. Also packed in are two... Genesis-style 2.4 gigahertz wireless controllers, which look just like the old-school Sega Genesis controllers, except that it's like the six-button version, not the three-button. And two controller ports for those who wish to use classic wire controllers. The Sega Genesis Flashback also features 720p HDMI output and scanline filtering. So, I mean, the games are actually going to get a bit of an upgrade, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's, it's going to look like a 4x3 mode on your... Uh on your screen. Right. So like the wide portions are going to be cut off. Yeah. And then, yeah. Additionally, every game will also support a feature that lets you save, pause, and rewind the action. So it's pretty, I mean, I may have to pick one up just for nostalgia purposes. Well, how much is it going to be again, Ron? They haven't said. I'm sure it's going to be like a hundred bucks. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it, got to it be like be around hundred bucks. Yeah. Maybe okay. 150, but uh, somewhere around there, I would I would imagine. I think when the Nintendo one came out, because we sold it at Target when I used to work there, uh -huh. uh, it was around 100 bucks. I think it was even like 85 dollars. Yeah, something like that. But when it was out, I mean, I think it was people overlooked it, uh -huh. and they were just looking for the games that they came in to buy. Yeah, and like, oh, <laughs> you guys are selling Nintendo again? Like, what in the world? But yeah. I mean, that's all people thought, and then the word got out, and people were going, "I want to get that thing." Uh-huh. You still have it. And then, you know, we ran out. Oh, yeah. It was it was just like this fevered pitch. I mean, everybody at work, too, were just like, I need to find one of these. I need to find one of these. And just, yeah. It... <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, now, also, it's worth noting that Nintendo is rumored to be releasing the Super Nintendo Classic Edition later this year. So we're getting all of these, like, classic vintage systems coming back in, which I think is great because I kind of regret us like selling off our original Sega Genesis, Sega CD, 32X, that huge, like, you know, stacked Dude. system. Man, yeah. <laughs> 
Golly. I mean, people used to come over to the house and be like, dude, what is that system? <laughs> a you juggernaut have? of a system, yeah. Golly. I mean, they even, I remember when they came out with a, a separate system where it was a tray. And uh-huh. then you have, okay, you have the, the Sega Genesis and the Sega CD like right beside each other. Yeah. And then when the 32X came out, you just put that on top uh-huh. and like, okay, here's a tray of game systems. <laughs> Ours was a stack. Like yeah. we got the original Genesis, the original Sega CD, and the original 32X was like triplet, dunk, 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 right on yeah. top of each other. And people were like, what in the world is that? What monstrosity is yeah. that? <laughs> Well, from E3 2017, Nintendo will support 3DS beyond 2018. This was something that as I watched the Nintendo conference, I was actually surprised. They didn't show any 3DS games at all. They were completely focused on the Nintendo Switch. And so it made me wonder, well, what does the future hold? Just because the Nintendo Switch is arguably a portable system. That's one of the big selling points. You could take it with you on the go. IGN reports in an interview with IGN at E3, Nintendo of America President Chief Officer Reggie said Nintendo plans to support the Nintendo 3DS past 2018. Quote, the way we continue to make Nintendo 3DS vibrant as a platform is first we continue to innovate from the form factor standpoint. So the new 2DS XL is just the latest for us in having form factor innovation. We know colors are a key differentiator. Consumers love the variety of different colors. And also the larger screen and the different form factor in the 2DS family, we think, is going to drive and continue to drive a 3DS platform. Though Nintendo didn't show much for the 3DS at 3E3. 3E? E3? It's one of those. It's amazing how you flip them around and they're just so similar. (laughs) They did announce that uh, Metroid... Samus returns and revealed Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon last week. Yoshi Switch. Now, this is a game that I actually really enjoyed watching during the the Nintendo conference. Nintendo Spotlight, really. Is that the the game was developed with the Unreal Engine 4. And this is what what intrigued me, is that um, one of the many Unreal-powered Switch games is Yoshi. Epic Games senior marketing manager Dana Cowley shared the news in a post on Twitter. The adorable platformer is one of the many upcoming Switch games being developed with Unreal Engine 4. In fact, Epic Games Japan rep Takayuki Kawasaki told Automation, translation via uh, Gematsu, that in Japan there are about 20 titles being developed that use Unreal Engine. So I thought that was worth mentioning just because up until this point, a lot of the Japanese developers have their have had their own game engines. They don't really use a lot of the American-based um, engines. And, you know, even like Tekken 7, for instance, that came out recently and had a lot of high praise, that too was built using Unreal Engine 4. So it's pretty interesting to see how, like, they're, they're beginning this adaption process of using. Because, I mean, Unreal Engine is a great game engine. I mean, just that's what Gears of War is based off of and, and several, I mean, just a lot of the AAA titles. Um... Anyway, continuing on, Sony defends PS4's lack of crossplay for Rocket League and Minecraft. Now, this is something also that piqued my interest. IGN reported that PlayStation 4 doesn't support crossplay with other platforms for games like Rocket League and Minecraft, and Sony has come forward to defend its decision to block such support. They say we've got to be mindful of our responsibility to our install base is their reasoning why. Um, he continued, we have a contract with the people who go online with us that we look after them and they are within the PlayStation curated universe, he said. 
exposing what in many cases are children to external influences we have no ability to manage or look after. It's something we look to think about very carefully. Ryan emphasized that Sony has no philosophical stance against crossplay at all, nothing that the company has quote done it in the past, and are always open to conversations with any developer or publisher who wants to talk about it. This article to me is important because you have developers who, for instance, who made Rocket League, which I've played, and one of the biggest draws of that game is that it doesn't matter if you own an Xbox One, a PS4, or even Nintendo Switch, because the game is coming to Nintendo Switch as well. You can play the game with those people. Hmm. I mean, it's it's the biggest dream that gamers have where, like, it doesn't matter what console you own. If you have a game that's available for all those systems, you can then play with your buddies and have a good time. At, at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Right. So the fact that they are effectively blocking that, that's, I don't know, I, I'm not too impressed with Sony on that. You can tell they're trying to spin it in a way where, like, well, you know, we don't have an ability to manage. And da, da, da. It's like, come on, you guys. Where it's there's like, a will, there's a way. Yeah, they're all gamers want to do is be able to play with their friends and play with the overall gaming community. It's like by doing that, you're once again, stepping on the toes of people having a good time. So hopefully they'll, they'll revisit that decision and, and be able to be more supportive with that. Now, the other thing is that Atari, you remember, remember good old Atari? Wow. They're making a new game console. <laughs> They're coming back, dude. I, you know, sorry to cut you out. Oh, you're good. I, I woke up actually. I know, I know about that, but I woke up this morning going, man, the Atari system. Hmm, why am I thinking about this? Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. I thought of Atari and I thought of Jaguar <laughs> and I went, you know, the right now there's, uh, there's Sony and there's Microsoft. Sega went by the wayside and everything else went by the wayside. 3DO, you know, Nintendo's whatnot. still around. Or, or yeah, Nintendo's still around, but I mean... Yeah. In a way, I, you almost don't see them as being like totally next gen. Uh-huh. You know, they're more for they, they make a lot of fun games, yeah, yeah. but a lot of kind of you know cartoony games, yeah. right? Um, and so I just don't think I don't think of them in the same class. They're in a class of their own, right? Right. But so I think, okay, well, who else is going to bring some? Is this how it's going to be, or from now on, or what's going on? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, let's see here. Polygon reported Atari is working on a game console. CEO Fred. Chesnais? I apologize if I didn't say his last name correctly. Said in an interview with GamesBeat at E3 2017. He wouldn't say much about the device telling GamesBeat, only that Atari is back in the hardware business. The last gaming console, if you recall, from Atari was the Jaguar, which debuted in 1993 and was discontinued in 1996. It didn't last very long. No, they didn't but, have, and had any games. Well, it did, yeah, it didn't have any games, but I remember when, like, when that announcement first came out, like the whole gaming community was like, dude, Atari's coming back. Like that was a big deal. And then to see them just not really have a big splash, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And now I guess they're, they're coming back in again. So the only detail that the CEO gave to GamesBeat was to say that the Atari box is how they're coining it right now. I don't know if that's the final name is based on PC technology. The video itself offers glimpses of a unit that appears to have a wood veneer, just like the famed Atari 2600, the company's first console, and then a white Atari logo on top glowing like a CRT television blinks into view. So it's kind of cool that they're they're, they're cognizant of that. Yeah, Yeah, very retro. Um, It's hard to imagine Atari making a device that would compete, like we said, with the PlayStation and Xbox. 
but it's not unreasonable to expect it. Like more of like the NES classic that came out last year, you know, that, that was like a big hit. So perhaps that's what they're kind of milking their, their success on is maybe it's not like a next gen console. It's just something that's like the Sega Genesis or the NES classic. Whatever it is, gotta sell. That's what I mean, people are used to their home names now. I mean, yeah. when you think of Atari, you do think positive thoughts, but you also got to come in with, why should I buy it? Right. I mean, they got to come in highly competitive and wow people. And I mean, like I said, they can't just base it on their good reputation. People are going to go, cool. Yeah. I'm going to go back to playing Sony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great. Uh, let's go back to Horizon. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, here you go, Steve. Far Cry 5 news includes Animal 6. Of course we have to push the envelope to something. <laughs> Polygon reports that animals play a major role in Far Cry 5. As the player, you can befriend creatures such as dogs and send them into battle to fight for you. Fierce dogs are a common sight in the rural America that is the backdrop for Far Cry 5. And the game includes something else that's straight out of nature. Animal copulation! The player character... I guess they had some sort of... Uh, demonstration they had at E3, and uh, the player character stops his vehicle to observe a startling sight outside his passenger side window, uh, which is a pretty co- it's pretty common in a place with a lot of farms, but apparently he stopped in the car and looked over, and you can see a bull mounting a cow and mating with her. So you, you, you officially have animal sex in video games now, Steve. I mean, it happens in real life, Russ. It does. I mean, coming from the farm like we do, <laughs> uh, I mean, every once in a while, when you were, uh, we would go fishing or, you know, ride a bike or something like that, you'd hear the bull taking action somewhere <laughs> in someone's pasture. Relieving some what stress. In the world? Yeah, really. Making an honest uh, <laughs> sow out of that cow? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, finally, Anthem gameplay demo lives up to Xbox One X's 4K promises. Polygon reports that Anthem, BioWare's next big action role-playing game, looks stunning in its Xbox One X gameplay demo from Microsoft's E3 press briefing. But how does it hold up to scrutiny? The team at Digital Foundry examined the Anthem gameplay footage that was said to be running on Xbox One X, which Microsoft is billing as the most powerful gaming console ever. Digital Foundry confirmed a 3840 by 2160 resolution, but with a slight catch. The 4K output is paired with artifacting, which indicates uh, checkerboarding rendering, a technique that refers to only rendering 50% of a scene and interpolating the rest. This is a method that um, was actually used to great effect in titles like Gorilla Games' Horizon 4. Horizon 4. Horizon Zero Dawn. A lot of fours in here. (laughs) <laughs> in order to achieve the 4K resolution. So it, it sounds like it's just, it's a new technique that they're be able to use in order to control the LOD based on where the character is. And that's fine. I mean, it just, it works. It looks great. Despite that, motion blurring helps to smoothen the image out. And as Digital Foundry notes, the feed still comes out looking pin sharp. The video ends with Digital Foundry pointing out that while the demo isn't necessarily a clear example of how the final game will run, it does look promising for what Microsoft wants to accomplish when it comes to 4K gaming gaming on the Xbox One X. So that's about all of the the gaming news that we have. That's worth talking about, Steve. Okay, really? But I do think that that's that's worth talking about just because when you watch a, a game demo like Anthem, it was just breathtaking to see that. I mean, you, you, you watch it. We were both sitting here just in awe and the whole time I'm wondering, 
is this actual game graphics or is this being played on like some sort of super high-end PC that we can't see running in the background? And then if the game comes out, then all of a sudden it'll be res down almost like what, what Ubisoft has been guilty of multiple yep. times with like watchdogs, yeah. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but due to that, I mean, it, that's definitely encouraging to say the least, because I mean, if that, if that game can be consistent in terms of what we saw and maybe even improved a bit here and there because we're watching a video. We're not even seeing the game like natively on our, our console. I'm pumped. Yeah. I think it's going to be really, really cool. For sure. So I suggest we segue into, we have a little bit of movie news, Steve. (laughs) This one in particular is a little sad. Adam West dead at age 88. This occurred during E3, and so this is a this isn't exactly like a brand spanking new headline, but I do think it's worth talking about just because Adam West had a very big influence on both of our lives growing up as kids. Actum, uh, let's see, actor Adam West, the star on the classic 1960s Batman TV series, died last Friday at the age of 88 after a brief battle with leukemia. IGN reports that the 1966-68 Batman television series became a pop culture phenomenon and cemented the Cape Crusader's campy image for a generation until darker comic book and movie interpretations came along. Ultimately, the greatest role Wes landed after hanging up his cape and cowl was as a variation of himself. A generation that grew up with West's Batman embraced him in later years, and West became a voiceover actor on such animated shows as Family Guy, where he self <laughs> yeah. self depreciating wit uh, served him well as the voice of uh, Quahog, Mayor Adam West. Uh, let's see, he portrayed the, the Cape Crusader one final time in the forthcoming DC animated film Batman versus Two Face, and I'm not sure. I'll have to look at my notes here to see if, it, if I might have the the release date on that. But the, the cool thing about that is, is that also br- that, that film, the cartoon film, also brings back Burt Ward as the voice of Robin and Julie Newmar as the voice of Catwoman, both from the 1960s show. Harvey Dent Two-Face, who never appeared, by the way, in the classic 1960 Batman TV show, will be voiced by none other than Star Trek's William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting... I always feel like, like Adam West and William Shatner kind of share that little yeah. limelight of the 60s campiness. Yeah. Uh, it's scheduled for release on Blu-ray and digital HD later this year. So they haven't actually given a, a precise release date, but it's one, I think we owe it to, to Adam to be able to like check that out. I think it'd for be sure. a, a nice way to, to just close that chapter. What's also worth mentioning is that a, a memorial was held at the LA city hall where thousands gathered and a spotlight of the classic 1960s bat symbol was cast onto the building in remembrance. Have you seen this video? Yeah, I have. And what better way to do it too? I can, I can't think of a better way to do it. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I could, which is if they could like reflect the bat symbol in the sky, yeah. instead of being, that would have been cooler. Yeah. But I mean, you know, well, the nice thing about the LA city hall building is that it's that art deco right. style, right. which is very fitting for the Batman universe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I need to take a minute here just to, just to talk about that for a bit because I'm th- this huge, ginormous Batman fan. And the first time I ever laid eyes on Batman was the, the 1960s TV show. And it was just this fun, campy kind of thing, but I was just absolutely engrossed and fascinated with Adam West and Burt Ward as they had, you know, their bat cave and just the way that they were trying to deduce certain crimes that were committed. And, uh, just, just the fact that like they were working hand in hand with the police and stuff. 
um, that really acted as a catalyst for my my absolute fandom into the the world of Batman. And then of course, you know, later on down the road, then I started reading the comic books and then Tim Burton's Batman movie came out and I was like, "What is this is so epic. This is yeah. amazing." And then it just go, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. So Well, you got to also take remembrance to uh, all the little sound effects. Yeah. Bam. You know, growing up as a kid, when we'd wrestle around, you know, smack each other a bit, you know, we got all those sound effects, uh, you know, coming to play. Well, the other thing too is like, just, just so people know, even when I was a wee lad, a wee little kid, um, I had some uh, awesome Batman pajamas that our sainted mother gave us. Yeah. Well, gave me. I, I, I think you had Superman. I, I did have Superman. Yeah, I had Batman. And these little pajama things were so cool. I had like the Batman logo on the front for the, the shirt part of his long sleeve shirt. And then, you know, little sweatpant things. And then it had these little Velcro patches on the shoulders so you could like Velcro on like a cape. So That's I right. had the Batman cape on. You had the Superman cape on. Yeah. So it was lovely memories there. Man. <laughs> Way back, I think it was like like back when you were like four and I was six or yeah. something. And plus, I mean that 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 turned me on to tech and to cars. And oh yeah, all, I mean all that stuff was through that show. I mean the, the, the Batmobile. Batmobile. Yeah, you got a jet engine in the car, and the mm-hmm. car looked cool and everything, and all those little gadgets and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even so much like the like the crime fighting, although that was cool too. But all the, t- I mean, that's what really got me into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, even them climbing up the side of, of a building, you know, it was so funny. Like as a kid, it was just magic on screen. Right. You, you were just blown away. You look at it now, and you're like, what the heck yeah, is what, going yeah, on? Right. Oh, but I love it. I actually should probably pick up uh, the whole collection. I have a, a friend at work who who owns like the, the entire catalog Good, of uh, right. of the. the 1960s classic. So, anyway, Batman and Spider-Man composer Danny Elfman to score Justice League. So, IGN reports Danny Elfman, the composer behind 1989 Batman and Spider-Man, is set to score the Justice League. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Elfman has taken over for Junkie XL, who recently departed the project to work on Warner Brothers Tomb Raider movies. So I guess they have another Tomb Raider that's in the works. This will be the first time Elfman composes music for Batman again since 1992's Batman Returns, which I absolutely love the soundtrack too. I mean, yeah. Danny Elfman is the man. Yeah. Like, like he is one of my all time, I'd say he's in my top five composers ever. Yeah. That, that, he made a, you know, when you buy a soundtrack for a movie, it sounds good in a movie until you listen to it outside the movie and you're like, why was I liking this again? Yeah. Like, oh, this doesn't even fit. When Elfman makes it, yes, I mean it's it's a composition. Oh, it's it it is so memorable. Yeah. Now it's it's kind of funny because some people like to tease him because he does have a very distinct style. Right. So there are familiarities when it comes to like his arrangements and stuff. But I mean, when you think about just the huge catalog of movies he's worked on, whether it's like Pee Wee's Big Adventure with like that, you know, that dun dun. Don't do it. <laughs> Stuck in my head. Or you have, of course, you know, the Tim Burton Batman and Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, um, Sleepy Hollow. And of course, he he does a lot of soundtracks with. Yeah, um, with uh, oh, uh, Burton. Yeah, Tim yeah. Burton, yeah. Yeah, with Tim Burton. Yeah, of course. Man, I tell you, talking about Danny Elfman, I, I, the first. When I, when I saw the first Batman uh-huh. and the scene when he rescues Vicky Vale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're driving through. They're, they're going back to the Batcave, right? right? And 
oh, this, the, the, the composition of him flying down that street. Yeah. And, you know, all the leaves that have come off, you know, yeah. and the engine's roaring and she's trying to look at him and he's trying to like still keep secret because she doesn't, he doesn't want to, she doesn't right. want, you know, he, Bruce Wayne's secret identity. Sorry, I'm getting excited. And then, <laughs> da, 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 you know, I mean, I've got goosebumps in my ears. Very I mean, romantic. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah they, Such good music. You know, uh, a little side note. I remember reading a while ago about when Tim Burton was was still in the midst of, of getting the film edited. Like, they had done a lot of the principal photography. And they were trying to uh, find someone to do the, the soundtrack for it. And back in the day, that was back when Danny Elfman was, was pretty new to the scene. He really hadn't done that much. And so in order to get buy-off from the, the producers, like the stakeholders of the film, uh, they were in the, the recording studio and they wanted to find out just like how things were going. And so Tim Burton asked Danny Elfman to play the, the main marching theme, which is what you hear during the, the intro, you know, the, the title sequence and stuff, the main oh, titles. Um, they played that. And what ended up happening was that it was such a rousing experience that all of those stakeholders, the producers and stuff, they started to dance in the aisles and stuff because they were so excited over what happened. And that basically cemented Danny Elfman as like, yeah, so he, cool. his moment has arrived. And of course, you know, as you, as you were talking about just now, he's worked on virtually every Tim Burton film and he's gone beyond Tim Burton as well. He's worked on other films like Spider-Man, for instance, that right. sort of thing. But yeah, just such a tremendous talent. I, I remember the opening credits to either Batman 1 or Batman 2 when you're seeing like the bat symbol. And that's you, and, that's and, and the you, first one. Yeah, and you're kind of like, what? okay, we're going through a corridor. What are we going through? Right. But I mean, I'm enjoying the music. I'm almost like, I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to... <laughs> yeah, you're just like <laughs> usually like through the opening credits, you're like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Or or they play a song that everybody knows, and so right. you're like, okay, I get it, but you know, this was new and it was exciting sure. and, and it was great music at the same time. And why would you even fast forward that? Remember like like as like like the camera's panning back and zooming away slowly, yeah. you realize that the whole time yeah. you've been like flying through this thing, it's actually the bat symbol, and right then you hear the crescendo of the music where it goes. I had that huge symbol at the end where like the screen goes to black. I'm like, dude, I have watched that film. So it's probably one of the most watched films I've ever seen. And I still to this day, I mean, even talking about it, I have goosebumps right now. I have chills on my arms because it's just like, dude, that was so perfect. What a way to set the premise for the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the soundtrack to that, every song, every track is. Yeah. It's just genius. Yeah, and the thing is, too, when you listen to the soundtrack, you know the scene of the movie. Yeah. Like, both go hand in hand. Right. Other times, when you listen to, like, I don't know, the, the Gladiator soundtrack, for yeah. example, which is still a very good soundtrack, Yeah. or Jurassic Park, which is still a memorable soundtrack, Right. some songs come on, and you're like, okay, where are they at in, you know, this part of the movie? Where I remember the song, but I don't remember the scene. Yeah. With the Batman soundtrack, you're like, I know the scene, I know the dialogue, right. I know exactly what happened. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they go hand in hand. It's very recognizable. Justice League will also see Elfman reunite with Joss Whedon as the composer was brought in to add additional music for Avengers Age of Ultron. So those two are tag teaming up again. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to all play out. And of course, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon based off of his efforts on the Avenger films. That, that whole Justice League project is pretty interesting to see just what's been transpiring in terms of like who came into the project, who left the project, 
um, you can tell that they're they're bringing in the big guns to try and make this as good as possible. So I'm 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 very pumped to see it. I'm 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 very curious. The final story I have on here for movie news is that at the box office, Wonder Woman remains champ while the Mummy disappoints in debut. And this is really not very much of a surprise. No. <laughs> Uh, the DC movie earned an estimated $57.2 million over the latest weekend, bringing its current domestic total to $205 million. The worldwide total for the Patty Jenkins-directed film now stands at $435.2 million, which is just over two weeks' worth. So it goes without Getting saying. Oh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's no. doing quite well. And that's about all the movie news we have for today, Steve. You know, Tom Cruise needs to do something more than just make popcorn action flicks, I think. Because, I mean, when I saw the preview in the movie of The Mummy, I'm thinking, okay, you know, it, it looks like a Tom Cruise movie. You yeah. Know? And, I mean, not to say that it's bad, not to say that his career is going in one direction. But, right. it, I mean, I got to thinking lately of, because I, I read that story. Uh, I do read stories before I hear them from you. You Russ. know how to read? From, That's from, amazing. From time to time, I do. I do plan ahead. Uh, Are you a fan of the periodicals, <laughs> Steve? <laughs> um, so I, I got to thinking of, of a few good men, mm. and I got to think, okay, Tom Cruise can act, right? Mm. I mean, he's been in dramas before, he, like The Firm, another good movie. He's yeah. been. And now he just does action flick after action flick after action flick. You know, I, and not to say yeah, that he hasn't done a drama in a while. Yeah, he needs to like try to change it up a little bit. I mean, every I mean, night and day, Mission Impossible, The Mummy. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. But yeah. I can't remember Tom Cruise in a good drama or or anything the else. Day other after than, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see if he uh, has another drama in the works. Well, you know, of course, we know he's working on Top Gun too. That's another one that's yeah. coming out. Oh, yeah. That, 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 I hope that that's good. Moving on to our topic of the day. Mm. So we're going to talk about the E3 recap. Obviously, there were a lot of games that were shown. And I am curious overall, Steve, I guess the first question just to kick this off is, what was your favorite game at the show? I think the most memorable game of the show would have been Anthem. Okay. Uh, when I think of E3, that's my lasting impression is Anthem. Yeah. And when I got to uh, Canada and I saw you know some friends out there uh, who play games too, the one game that I, the first game I asked them about is, did you see Anthem? Mm-hmm. Um, so kudos to EA. Not uh, A lot of other great games that had that had an effect and a lot of games that I'm still thinking about, but uh, Anthem was the, is the first and foremost in front of my mind. That's a big one for you. Mostly because I knew nothing about it. I, I didn't uh, do any research. I wanted to come to it fresh, and uh, I was glued to the footage when it came out. <clears throat> so that 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 did it for me. For me, it's a tie between once again I, Anthem is one of them, uh, but also Spider Man for PS4. Um, I oop, oh, oh yeah, oh, I, I just gotta slap my mic around. Oh, a bit sorry about that. <laughs> I uh, bunk a little bit of bunk. <laughs> Almost fell asleep and I had to yeah. jostle myself up. <laughs> Microphone has slap you in the face. <laughs> anyway, Anthem, like you said, was a game I had an inkling of ahead of time before E3 started that there were rumors going around that Bioware possibly was going to have some sort of big game coming out. And I didn't know if it was going to be the, the next Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, or if there was going to be some sort of new IP. And I had... Um, gotten little 
tidbits here and there about how there possibly could be a destiny killer. And that game definitely fit the bill for being a potential destiny killer. And when it just came to the graphics, when it came to the gameplay and, and just the, just how large in scope the world was, it, it was literally the one game for me that, and I think for you too, that gave some sort of idea as to what we might expect from the Xbox one X. And I know we talked about this, uh, after the, uh, the, the Microsoft press briefing about how surprised we were that there were not first party titles with, I mean, you had Forza and it was like, yeah, okay. But we, we were, we were really hoping to see three or four AAA titles that were first party that really would compel us, have a, give us a compelling reason to be able to want to buy, go out day one and buy a $500 system when it comes out November 7th. And really Anthem was the only one at the very end, which it was a nice game to end on for mm-hmm. them. Um, was, was Metro for Xbox One X or was that Xbox One? I think it's for both. Okay. I think there are two versions for it. I think the one that they showed was Xbox One X, uh, but I think they probably will have it also be compatible for the Xbox One. You know, that being said, a small detail, looking back on the conference, you know, they, they didn't do a very good job of, of specifying, okay, this one is exclusive for One X or this one's exclusive for One. They just kind of went, okay, this one's kind of enhanced here or this, that, and the other. And I kind of thought, okay, which one is like for sure, this is footage of Xbox One X. Okay, which one's for sure running on Xbox? You know, I kind of If you notice, they had a certain way that they would announce their titles at the beginning because like sometimes they would say, um, exclusive. Yeah. And so that tells me that that is in fact an Xbox one exclusive, but then there'll be other times where you hear the guy's voice come up and say launch exclusive. Well, yeah. that tells me that it probably will be out on Xbox one first for like, you know, six months right. and then it'll come out on other platforms. Yeah. It just was forgettable kind of how they, how they did it. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes they would say exclusive and I think, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then it was, like a platform jumper or something. I'm like, oh, wait, is this, what's, what's this for? Like, okay. Is it, you know? <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I, uh, the, the second game of course was Spider-Man and that was a PS4 exclusive. And um, ironically enough, that was also a game that was the last game that they showed at their particular conference. And just absolutely. For those of you who actually uh, listened to the PS4 podcast that I, I put out, by my lonesome, because uh, Steve ditched me. Um, you could tell. I mean, I was absolutely floored. I was so blown away by the production value of the game, just the animation quality, the, the just the storytelling aspects of it, the interaction of the environment, the level of detail and everything. I mean, just I could not believe that that was gameplay. And it was. It was, in fact, gameplay. And so going back and forth on that, you know, but it was between really Anthem and uh, Spider-Man for me. But uh, having said that, there were lots of other contenders from other games. And it, I felt like this E3, it was interesting. It wasn't like there was like one company that just dominated all the rest. It was almost like there was like a sprinkling of titles that each company showed. And so as a, a result, like looking at it from a gamer's point of view, it's like, oh, okay, well, there are going to be a healthy dose of games that are going to be coming our way. It, but I think I, I'm historically used to there being like one company that just just absolutely grand slams it out of the park. Um, and since we're talking about it, which uh, which company do you feel had the best show? 
Uh, I would have to. I would have to give it to E to E three. Um, <laughs> That's a to, good answer. I think I have to give it to EA. Okay. Uh, Altogether, alt- um, I, I I for the most part wasn't interested in everything that that all the other companies had to show. Uh-huh. Uh, even though the graphics were good and and uh, I was pleasantly surprised and entertained a lot of the games, uh, I just didn't really feel that. It was something that I would buy, mm. honestly. Not to say that they were bad, because I like, for example, um, uh, like they, what was it called, like the Darkness Within or something like that, or which one? Some, I was trying to think of some of the names. There's so many names in my head. <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, they they looked great, and I've seen people play like for the first generation of those games, and so I know they're going to sell, but it just didn't do anything for me mm. personally. So I mean, e, EA. Uh, had the more more of the games that I think I would spend the most money on. Uh-huh. So, best show. Yeah, EA, you know, they only had seven games that they showed. They had the Battlefield 1, Need for Speed, A Way Out, Anthem, The One, Star Wars Battlefront 2, FIFA. So, they did, they did have a very strong showing. Um, I think for me, I would say it's a toss-up between EA and Sony. And I think... I'm going to edge it out with Sony. I think Sony is the one that for me was, I felt was the best just because the, the way that they conducted their show was exactly what I was expecting Microsoft to do. And they didn't, which is just show the games. And they had, you know, they, they didn't come out trying to brag saying, Oh, we had 42 games. We're going to show you. They just, they started the whole show by just showing games. No one came out first and they showed three titles in a row that were all like must-have buys for me. They had Uncharted, the Horizon expansion pack, and Days Gone. And then you have the CEO come out and talk for about, you know, between three to five minutes, goes back off stage, and the CEO was the only person who was talking during the entire conference. And you get to see Monster Hunter World, and you saw Shadow of the Colossus, and you had some other titles that that you know were not as huge for me personally, but Still, you know, they were decent enough. And then, of course, you had God of War. Um, and then, you know, they, they ended it with Spider-Man. And I just, I, I never once felt as if I was like saying, come on, hurry up, let's get back to the games. You know, with Microsoft, there was, there was that kind of sensation from time to time where I felt like there was too much bloviating on stage. I wanted to just see for myself, see what kind of games are out there. And so... Um, yeah, I I, uh, I give kudos to Sony for that. Uh, in terms of conducting this show, I would say for Sony, Sony for sure. Um, I mean, as far as overall content, I would give it to EA, but showmanship and how they conducted um, their showcase, I would give it to Sony um, because I think all the gamers are there to see the games and not hear somebody in a suit talk about whatever he wants to talk about. I yeah. mean, there's... Uh, you can talk. I think there's a time and a place, but when you go to E3, you want to see something, not just hear somebody speak, but you want to see what everyone's been working on. You want to sure. see what's coming out for Christmas. You want to yeah. see what's what you want to spend your money on. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody go up there and grandstand for a while, or for example, like EA brought in some other YouTube guy, YouTube guy, YouTube or, creator, or whatever. Or they. the guys in suits. I mean, I'm sure they have their own channel, and I'm not trying to rip <laughs> on them or anything. But it's like I never heard of these people before, and they didn't really offer anything special, yeah. or they didn't contribute in 
they, did, they didn't add anything to the games that were going to be shown. Yeah, they didn't bring anything to the table. So I just thought, this is a waste of time. Come on, let's get back to the games. Right. I don't care about these people. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, and so Sony just came out, and the guy seemed more humble and honest when he came to the microphone. He didn't yeah. seem like he was really focused on his teleprompter or his speechwriter. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he was reading off the teleprompter, but he didn't seem like that. I do think that the Microsoft press briefing had the best stage. In terms uh, yeah, of like I mean, showmanship that, and stuff, I mean they, they did, but that only went so far. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying it, it, that uh, it was like some big deal, but I've, I was thinking about like you know e- each press conference had, with the exception of Nintendo, because Nintendo just had their little video spotlight that they played, but each one had their own kind of design to the stage, and that was something that I took into consideration. And I I do give props to Microsoft because I did like how they had things set up. They they, they always do a nice yeah. job with that, but. Um, I was just more grateful to Sony because the guy seemed more uh, in tune with the gamer. Absolutely. Well, the whole presentation just placed the gamers first. They, they, right. All they did was just show game after game after game right. that was coming out. And regardless of the, whether it was coming out for 2017 or if it was coming out in 2018, I, it was precisely what I was wanting. I was hoping for that. And I had a feeling that they would do that, especially after watching Microsoft because there was way too much talking. There was way too many people who were coming up on stage. Like there was a, uh, like that one developer that was up on stage and he was trying to do like the esports thing where he's like, what's he going to do? I don't know. Yeah. Is he going to go through the window? Uh, and I'm like, uh, oh my gosh, that is so obnoxious. Yeah, I... <sighs> Like it did not add anything to it whatsoever. I mean, that's that sort of thing. And then also too, there were a significant amount of titles that Microsoft had put up there that were the indie style games. And there really wasn't, I, I, I didn't have the the feeling that there was a lot of purpose to these games. Like, yeah. oh, here's yet another title with someone randomly running around shooting somebody else right. or killing somebody. Like, what is, where is the story? And I think yeah. that's what resonated with me the most when I watched the Sony press conference was that most of the games they had up there had story. It was showing, hey, something's going on, something's afoot, you know, Welcome to this this new land. Although what was really funny with the Sony ones is that a lot of the Sony titles that they showed, they had some sort of outdoor wilderness kind of motif going on. So I thought that was pretty funny. But um, another thing I thought was worth mentioning was that a lot of the heavy hitters that we were anticipating to make um, some sort of appearance were no-shows. You know, Red Dead Redemption 2 was not there. Yeah, we already kind of figured that there was pretty big possibility they wouldn't show up yeah i mean and it's rock star but right. but just the fact that you know i i, I still had hope i was like oh, yeah maybe they'll, yeah. they'll show a little, a little surprise something, something. yeah uh but borderlands 3 was a no-show that was one that i really expected them to make a splash um halo 6 of course we knew that ahead of time that, that they had canceled the, the show of that but but the fact that it was absent overall and that was another thing too come to think of it i remember we covered a news story about how 343 said that they would be showing some sort of title at e3 but it wasn't going to be halo and i don't think we saw anything from 343 yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, unless they showed that behind closed doors, but that was a news headline that we had covered early on. Anyway, uh, there were no Gears of War games, whether it was like some sort of standalone story or if it was like Gears of War 5 or whatever. So they, they were missing. You know, on the Sony side, there was um, no Last of Us Part 2. Um, yeah. You know, the Last of Us, you know, had come out for the PS3. And I was thinking, oh, surely Naughty Dog's going to have something. I mean, especially like if they were to have that 
either. I mean, they did have Uncharted to kick off, which was great. But even if they were to place that in the middle or even the end of their their show, I mean, granted that's Spider-Man, but just having something that just really would get the, the saliva flowing into a drool-like state. Um, Plus, well, I think they, they even have a trailer that's out for Last of Us 2 also. They, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think the there was playing some, the guitar. I mean, there, yeah, there yeah. was another show, a Sony only show that right. had occurred, I think a few weeks prior and yeah, they did have that, but it would have been nice if they would have added a little extra. I don't know. It, it just, it just seemed like that would have been the cherry on top right. for, for their particular show. Also no Tomb Raider three. I was very surprised about that as well. I figured that um, there would be some sort of teaser of sorts just because Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, came out at least a year ago, if not two years ago. And it's, it's, it's been out for a little while now. So just to be able to see something like that. Um, now, the thing is, is that despite all of these heavy hitters not being at the show, there were like I said, a, a, a quite a, a smattering of like other titles that certainly piqued my interest. I mean, if I'm looking at um, EA games, their need for speed game looked pretty cool. A way out. We're both really excited about Yeah, Anthem um, star Wars battlefront two. Yeah. So that looked really cool. And like from Microsoft's they had, you know, Forza of course is like a staple. Um, in, yeah. In but their- even that one, I mean, I, I horizon has some, high a mark with me yeah because of all the non-generic racetracks oh sure you know so and I, they, it's gonna have to really blow me away to get by that one yeah but but like you said the metro actually looked pretty good yeah, i'm curious that was- about that there was the last night which was that cool trippy that was the one indie game i was really into yeah. um that had that kind of cool 16-bit retro but yeah it was 2.5d 3d kind of thing that looked really cool there was also the Ori sequel, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I'm a huge Ori fan. That's cool. Um, even from Bethesda, The Evil Within 2. I'm so going to buy you that game. I'm going to like uh, sit there and watch you play it. Oh, I'll play it over <laughs> here with you. Then. I don't have to take it home. Uh, but yeah, Jeez. Wolfenstein 2. I totally want to play Wolfenstein 2. There was South Park, The Fractured But Whole, which has been shown at quite a few of the E3s now, but I'm, I'm all about it. Skull and Bones, which looked pretty cool. It was like that Pirates of the Caribbean style game that I think is going to compete against Sea of Thieves to a certain extent anyway. They showed Beyond Good and Evil Part 2, which really wasn't gameplay. It was just a pre-rendered cinematic. It was more of an announcement trailer. But still, I mean, the first one um, was really, really good. You know, of course, you had Uncharted, you had the Horizon Expansion Pack, Days Gone, Shadow of the Colossus, God of War, Destiny 2, Spider-Man. Um, even on the Nintendo side, you had Yoshi, Metroid 4, the Pokemon RPG, Kirby, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Like, I mean, just there are there are there is a, a healthy amount that's on the horizon that... No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, that I'm looking forward to overall. So that was good. I mean, I, I definitely felt that this particular E3 was a good E3. It was a strong E3, but it wasn't one of the best E3s I've seen. I just saw it as a lopsided E3. Yeah. Because I, I, before the conference started, we were we were talking and I said, they either have to bring out a new system and show what it can do, or they got to really get us excited about the games Uh or both. But I mean, typically it's one or the other. Yeah. And so with Sony, you saw them say, okay, here's a system that you already love and we're going to bring out 
great games uh-huh. that you're going to love for the system you love to play. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. And then Microsoft came out and said, here's a ton of games, most yeah. of which are like a, a C minus, uh-huh. you know, uh, <laughs> Being generous there, even to, uh, I mean, for excitement levels anyway. Uh, and here's a few, you know, B plus or maybe even A rated titles. But for the most part, it was just C minus D plus. Uh, but here's a new system that's coming out. Right. But the same. So it was lopsided in a sense of here's something exciting, but we're going to drop you with a thud here. Uh-huh. And then Sony goes, OK, we're not going to show you a new system to compete, but here's great games coming out for the system. You already-. And so it was like almost like a roller coaster ride. It wasn't yeah. something that was consistent. It was. Peaks and troughs, kind of, sort of, for me. Something worth noting is that Phil Spencer has been making the rounds on some of the other gaming websites and and more of the larger gaming podcasts doing interviews and whatnot. And uh, he is kind of in this this mode of talking about how the, the Xbox One X is, is not like a bonafide next generation, quote unquote, console and how it's more of just an upgrade of the existing Xbox One family. And it's it, it's interesting because um, I had a spirited debate about this with our good old friend, Brad. Nice. And he astutely pointed out from last year's E3, when they were first announcing Xbox Scorpio, that he had used the words, you know, it's in the family of Xbox One. It's like part, of the, part of the Xbox One family. And for me, I have conflicting perspectives on that because I, th- he, he was going on talking about, Oh, this is more of an upgrade and how it's important that we, that Xbox coexists with, with the, the PS4 and like, just, it wasn't the same kind of talk of like, yeah, this is like the next system. It's going to be fantastic. Here are some great examples that will offer you a compelling reason to go out and buy this. And so I think you have a lot of, more of the Xbox fans out there who are feeling a bit more alienated as a result because everyone was, was coming to see this with the expectation that they were going to be blown away. Wow. That they want to, you know, as we talked about it, give Microsoft $500 and even that $500, man, at this point looking at it, they're like, we, we covered this earlier on about how there's a real concern there at, um, the, the notion of having multiple systems. We have the Xbox One and the Xbox One S and now the Xbox One X and how the developers, especially third-party developers, are going to, to build their games as a result of this uh, amount of, of players and they're going to have to look at the bottom line and figure out how are we going to make this game that's going to make sense for us in terms of monetizing our success? You know, are there going to be titles that are built from the ground up only for the Xbox One X where they are exclusives or are they going to build for the lowest end uh, when it comes to performance and then just do some minor tweaks like, oh, well, we just, you know, we tweaked up the 4K and, and here are a couple of up textures, you know. And so I think that, that there is a challenge ahead for Microsoft um, to be able to try and convince people that that this is the the title or not title but the console to get, and it's I don't know it, it it strikes me as them saying well you don't have to get the system you can if you want this is only for people who are hard you know they're making excuses they're they're saying things that are once again if if I put on my gamer hat and I'm listening to this I'm thinking you're not 
compelling me to want to go out and be excited to buy the system, especially considering the fact you're asking for $500. If it was something like a minor upgrade that was like $100, it's not a big deal. If it was $400, I could, I could get there. I could be like, okay, $400. But what is it? What, what is the, the system going to offer us that will compel me to go out there and buy that? And I just, exactly. I just don't see that at this point in time. So at this point, I just rather keep the PlayStation four and keep the Xbox one and keep on loving them as they are. And then if I, if, if it breaks or something or I get the right three red lights of death, like the, <laughs> the 360 had, then I'll upgrade. Cause I have to buy something at that point. Well, and the other thing too, is like, like I started getting into a lot of the, uh, semantics of it, but not, not necessarily limiting myself to the semantics, but also just thinking about what, like, like you can tell they're doing wordsmithing. They're, they're wordsmithing a lot of, of their promotion, their promotion of this system where, you know, they're not saying the, the term next generation console, but they're saying it's the next step in the family of consoles or that sort of thing. And, and I got to thinking, well, what, what exactly constitutes a next generation console. And I think about it. Well, there's typically a project name that starts out, uh, with the, with the full reveal of the final name later on, the hardware is a massive upgrade of what the, the current gen offers. And you're going to be as a result, being able to, to play games that are not, you know, you, you cannot get the same type of fidelity or experience on this, on this new system that you can, the older systems. So that tells me that this is in fact a next generation console. I mean, the, the fact that they had project Scorpio and then they revealed as Xbox one X at last year's E3, they had that huge like teaser trailer thing where they had all the developers talking about it's the most powerful console ever. I've never seen anything like this before. Six teraflops. Are you kidding me? They have liquid cooling and you know, all this different stuff going on. And now they're kind of backpedaling a bit, saying, oh, well, no, this is just, it's just part of the Xbox One family. We're like, we can, we can expand it a bit. So like, for those of you who want like the ultimate experience, you can go here. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a next generation console, period. You can do all the fancy schmancy marketing advertising you want and wordsmith it to your liking so that it fits your agenda. But when it comes down to it, if you compare the architecture of the Xbox One versus the Xbox One X, there is a fundamentally huge gap between the two in terms of what they're able to do and not do. So anyway, um, I think the name they—I said it before—the name is terrible. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because man, you have Xbox Three Sixty. Okay, you have Xbox. Yeah, Xbox Three Sixty. Yeah. Okay totally different name because you, you can identify one's just Xbox, one's Xbox 360. Yeah. And then Xbox One comes out and you can identify between Xbox 360, Xbox One. Then you have Xbox One S that comes out. Okay, so you can still identify with it because one has the S on it, right? Right, right. And now you're just adding one letter, Xbox One S. So we have now three systems that have pretty much the same name yeah. with the identification of one letter. Right. You know, I mean, at least with PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, the numbers can change up a bit. This one has just a name that sounds like three systems, mm. but it's supposed to, and so in that respect, I can kind of hear what Brad has to say <laughs> uh, because it just sounds like it is an upgrade because it's still Xbox One right. and then you just change the letter. Right. Um, but like you said, 
with all the other architecture inside, it had, sounds nothing like the current system. Right. I mean, so, the, the one thing that bridges the gap between all the systems is the fact that they are intentionally making it backwards compatible. So you can right. play your Xbox 360 titles, your Xbox yeah. original titles, and even Xbox One titles. And that, that's a great feature to have. You know, one of the other things, too, that was talked about was that there was concern over whether or not people at home could be able to see the differences of what the Xbox One X can offer on screen just because if you have a, a TV at home that has a 1080p resolution and it's capable of doing 4K, how can you tell? And that's actually at first was I thought was a sound concern. But then I was thinking about it. I was thinking, well, it, does, it's, it, it goes beyond just the 4K uh, signal. The, the hardware also can push more polys on screen at once. It has subsurface scattering. It has real-time lighting, HDR. And so there are things that, that you can tell, even though you don't necessarily have a 4K TV at home to be able to see and, and, and check out what's going on, you can actually see various improvements, visually speaking, of, of what, the, what the system has to offer. And I think Anthem was a good example of that, where like, even though you know, we, both you and I were watching the show on, on a 1080p television at home, when that game came on, you could tell that was what we were wanting. That's what we were clamoring for. Right. And also, too, furthermore, another thing worth mentioning is that when the PS4 game Horizon Zero Dawn was re released or getting close to release, Guerrilla Games was very astute to actually do a video that showed a split screen that one side was 1080p and the other side was 4K. And it didn't matter what screen you were on. Like if you were on, you know, what looking at on your laptop or your your smartphone or whatever, you could totally tell the difference of just the 1080p versus 4K. So you combine that with the fact that this hardware is capable of, of producing all the other goodies that I just mentioned. And it's that's not going to be any kind of problem. I think the main problem was that Microsoft didn't have its focus in the correct place. What they should have done was they should have had a focus on first-party title development for the Xbox One X that was built from the ground up specifically for that console that would then give a compelling reason for, for gamers to say, yes, this is the Nexus system I want. And left the name at Scorpio. Totally. Much better name. I've talked to so many people who were like, dude, if they left it as Xbox Scorpio, I'd be fine. Yeah. I think it was, it was a cool name. And instead they go with that. I'm thinking how many millions of dollars did you spend to come up with that name? I, I was, I got to thinking of the different names of Sega systems, Sega master system, Sega Genesis. Yeah. Sega CD 32 X. Okay. Passable. Th those are like, eh. yeah. Okay. Saturn. All yeah. right. That's kind of like Sega okay, Saturn. Sounds Fantasy, a little sexy. Kinda, yeah. you know, Galaxy ish. Uh -huh. Dreamcast. Sega Dreamcast. Yeah. Dude. Uh -huh. Can you think of a better name for a system? Well, I mean, well, PlayStation sounds great, but yeah. I mean, so you have great or even Nintendo. I mean, yeah, yeah, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, which is cool, rolls off the tongue. You had nin, nin, uh, yeah, Nintendo sixty four, Nintendo. Yeah, well, well, you had N sixty four, which sounded cool. You had Nintendo GameCube. GameCube sounded great. You had the Switch. I thought I think that's a cool name, Nintendo Switch. Switch. Is, okay, yeah, it, like it's a Switch on and that sort of thing. I that's think, I think it's, cool. It's it's smart, but it's not a cool name. Same but, thing as Nintendo Wii. It's way better than the Wii. The Wii, yeah, I cannot we, stand we, that we name. Saw, or the Wii U, really? Yeah, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so they should have left it at Scorpio. To me, that just screams cool. Yeah. And aggressive, aggressive, edgy. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to see how this story unfolds. And, <laughs> and I, two, in two weeks, Microsoft's going, okay, no, 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 new name. <laughs> Scorpio. Okay. Can, we, can I get a round of applause from anybody? 
Well, and the biggest <laughs> thing is, I think it's 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 important to to say that I hope that we're wrong. I hope that they have some sort of solution in place where perhaps there's a way that the system can detect what version that, that, that this game is being played on. And as a result, it can automatically up the amount of polys being used or the, the texture resolutions. I don't know if they have that in place or not. I really hope they do. I hope that there is some sort of solution for that because otherwise we're going to be left with what we saw when like the PS4 and Xbox one initially came out, which was you had game developers specifically making the games for the Xbox 360 and PS3 and then essentially doing a port over into the next gen consoles with doing just the bare minimum and then calling it quote unquote next gen. I really hope that that doesn't happen here. So anyway, we're out of time. We are super stoked that you decided to join us today. Once again, if you have a question, comment, or just want to leave us some love, you can find us on twitter.com at joygasm tv you can also find us at facebook.com slash joygasm tv we're on soundcloud.com slash joygasm tv and of course we are trying our darndest to be able to get our footprint established our flag in the sand if you will on youtube.com at steve what's the what's the uh, extension number sign up down question mark absolutely if you can't find <laughs> us at that extension then just do a search <laughs> on youtube search. for joygasm or joygasm tv you should be able to find us it's gonna be great scroll down a little bit. I'm serious. I think we're number 15. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys take care and happy gaming. 